0: Hey everyone and welcome to the newest episode of the Jay Davis Show. I'm super excited to have our guest today. Uh, Today we are talking with Jeff Dance. He's the CEO of Fresh Consulting uh, and someone that we get to work with on a regular basis. Welcome to the show, Jeff.
1: Thanks. Grateful to be here.
0: Well, do you want to give everyone kind of a background? At Pillacube, we work with Fresh and you guys are uh, one of our partners on a project, which we're super excited about. But why don't you give the listeners kind of a a background on your, uh, experience.
1: Sure thing. Um, so, uh, I'll just start with the company and, you know, I actually, uh, and then I'll share some personal details as well, but, um, I started my company in, uh, in 2007, uh, kind of the first kind of great recession or right before that. And, um, we were trying to help companies take advantage of new technology. Like it wasn't that long ago that, um, We didn't really, you know, have smartphones or the cloud or, um, you know, uh, the the dynamic web. It really wasn't that long ago. But about that time is when all this new technology was coming out. And um, I left uh, Deloitte Consulting, where I was a strategy consultant, um, helping companies like Apple Computer and others um, just be part of a a strategy team and kind of learn more about consulting. And I was trying to help companies take advantage of of what, what was new, what was fresh, um, and, and approach it from a different perspective. And, and that was the genesis of, of Fresh Consulting, of trying to help companies stay ahead, kind of stay relevant when, when so many things were changing so rapidly around them. And that's been, uh, um, you know, uh, the, how, how we've grown the company and kind of stuck with that uh, initiative. Um, I, I actually grew up in uh, um, the Seattle area. Uh, went out to school in, in Utah and really enjoy Uh, the slopes still do. Um, But I'm now still, my company's in Seattle and we have five offices, but um, uh, about 425 people more or less. But um, uh, Seattle's sort of home and sort of headquarters.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, how did you, uh, as you made that shift, um, I think that's something that a lot of people think about who who are in a job. They all of a sudden start saying like, okay, I'm interested in maybe doing my own thing. What was that like? Uh, and can you go back to kind of that time period and tell us like, what was that thought process for you? Like, okay, I'm thinking of going out on my own. Was it just more natural or, or was it more strategic and thought out?
1: I've always, I think I've always wanted to be like an entrepreneur. And um, I think it started as a paper boy you know, to like delivering papers, you know, collecting the money. And then uh, I created a, 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 to get through college, I created a, a painting company. I painted houses and learned how to like have a team and like invoice customers. And, and I kind of always had that knack. I ended up, um, when I got a master's in accounting of all things, because at BYU and it was a good program for school. I um, decided, um, you know, I realized that there was a lot I didn't know. And I, and I realized like, Oh, you know, the more I got into it, the more I realized I didn't know. And then I was like, oh, you know, I, it's I, that kind of in some ways sort of stopped the drive of like, hey, I just need to get out there and create something. And it was like, hey, I have a lot to learn. And so going into consulting first was 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 awesome uh, because I got a lot of exposure to what I knew and what I didn't know. And I realized that there was there was a lot more to learn. Um, but that bug kind of was still with me. And so when all the new, you know, technology was kind of coming out and I didn't see um, Deloitte's strategy team really doing anything with it and going like, hey, this is going to change the world. Um, these are dramatic things that are going to have monumental shifts and they were kind of slow to the game. I was like, oh, this is a good time to kind of um, try, just try. And originally I was thinking of trying to go to Stanford for an MBA and I was like, well, they like entrepreneurial experience. Why don't I start start something and then and, and that'll be good experience going into going into Stanford. Um and when I left, um, I, you know, I wasn't successful right off the bat. And that kind of I had I had an interest of trying to make it successful. And then I ended up getting my own MBA through through just the exposure <laughs> of hard knocks. Cool of hard knocks. Exactly. Especially starting in a profession. But, you know, I at that time I was concerned about, oh, I'm going to leave a start another services company that is consulting. And so I didn't feel like I could do that at Deloitte. Cause I felt like it would be competitive. So I did feel like I had to leave in order to start something such that, you know, sometimes you can kind of like experiment with something while you're still working someplace and that way you reduce the risk. But I felt like I had to leave and, and that way I wasn't, you know, I was abiding by kind of my, my employment agreement.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. What was it like going through that in the midst of a recession? Uh, Any learnings that you gained from from that experience? (laughs)
1: good to you know it's good to start something in a recession uh um because you you definitely it's definitely different than in maybe a a a peak season it was super hard um way harder than i thought um having created some small things that were kind of successful in the past um i you know i um i and we ended up moving in with my, in my grandma's basement. Um, I had to max out the personal credit cards, the company credit cards. I liquidated the little four hundred one k I had, and I didn't take a paycheck for two years. Um, and it, it was hard. And and I went in with the mindset of building a company that was going to do more consulting, and um, and advise on like you know technology. But we ended up um, building a company that was part creative, part technical, part business, and and doing more execution. Because that's what businesses were buying, so we had to kind of adapt to like what, what companies were paying for. And during a recessionary time, companies are still interested in, in evolving and adapting themselves. Um, but we, I had to quickly adapt, kind of what we were, how we were positioning ourselves.
0: Yeah, no, I th- I think that's a commonality amongst all entrepreneurs. Is usually, uh, I think a lot of times people who, kind of want to be an entrepreneur but struggle to get started over-focus on the idea and like getting the perfect idea. And I notice entrepreneurs who just get going, they're like, eh, we'll, fi- we'll figure it out. And you get in and things shift and exactly like you said, you're like, oh, I thought it was gonna be more of this. And then we pivoted to more execution, less consulting, and that's just the natural process. Uh, and and it's a common thing I see amongst entrepreneurs. They're just willing to, to go in and, and mold the idea as they go, build the ship mm-hmm. as they're sailing it, so. Right. Yeah. What, what, uh, as you look at those times where you saw that growth, I think a lot of times that growth for businesses comes as, as we often take big risks and make a big leap. Any that you can go back to that you, that you kind of remember of like, oh, here was a, uh, a big growth time for us and it came about as we kind of made one of those shifts or, or we, realigned our strategy or went into a new industry.
1: I think um for me it was more just like patience and like you know it was it was just a difficult time to um you know my wife was the breadwinner at the time because we weren't really making enough money to, for me to take my own pay, paycheck and um and uh and she was a teacher and we had like our first kid coming and we're we were we were living you know we moved from having some independence kind of moved moving moving with the grandparents to save some money and also try to help them in in their later ages um but it was just more i would say patience of like sticking with it and going like okay i you know we're selling stuff um and yes it's it's services but there's still people on the payroll and um it was more just sticking with it knowing like okay there's a need we have a service and as we get bigger it, it will work out and our first big break was getting a big enterprise client and it was t-mobile and we ended up having like a you know a 10-year relationship afterwards but it was helping them build their first mobile apps and uh, helping them uh, build a more um social like enterprise application that that uh I reinvented how they collaborated um internally on some workflow and that, that was sort of like our first kind of big break um where i'm you know after two years where i remember getting the you know the check and then like, okay, I can take my first paycheck. And this is like, really (laughs) really exciting. You know,
0: I can finally pay myself. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's so true. And I think it's something especially coming off the time we just came off of, you know, things were really good for a pretty long period of time. Uh, I think that's something that I'm noticing a lot of people kind of remembering is we kind of went through this period where everyone was just kind of going after that really fast pop, and then they'd exit and make tons of money and leave. And I think we're now going back to a time where it's a refocus on like, do you love the craft of starting businesses, running businesses? And are you willing to do it for 20, 30, 40 years? You might have that quick pop, but if you don't, are you willing to stick through it? And I constantly remind myself of that, of like, hey, a lot of these businesses I've started are three, four, or five years old. And that's not a very long time. You're 16 years into fresh and uh, seeing a lot of, I'm sure, continued growth, but it takes time to build something. And 16 years is kind of almost just getting started uh, as well. (laughs) Like you look at the length of a lot of businesses.
1: Yeah, I still feel like, you know, we're constantly having to um, innovate ourselves to stay kind of ahead and keep with our our vision and our mission. And so we're, we're constantly having to adapt and, you know, growth for us is ups and downs. There's, there's, uh, you know, I think any, um, startup is, is a roller coaster, no matter how successful they are. Um, and we've seen a lot of high flying startups and su- successful companies crash and burn like shortly, you know, in short order. Um, I remember strategizing with, uh, CBRE on, uh, WeWork kind of how WeWork was going to take in their lunch, you know, and here we are, they just went bankrupt, you know, um but they had a higher valuation than the largest brokerage firm in the world at a period of time, you know? And, yeah. um, and, you know, I think, you know, the fundamentals do matter. And I think that's the season right now where people are paying attention to the fundamentals. Um, and, uh, and so I think, uh, you know, if the fundamentals are there and, and, and there's a good exchange, then, um, you know, sometimes you need patience to build something that has, has value. And for us, I, I feel like the last couple of years have been almost like the startup time because, We've are we do a lot of um, work for tech companies and build a lot of product and a lot of tech but tech companies startups and big tech companies have had there's been really a, kind of a tech recession of, of, of sorts in the last couple of years and so um, that's been that's been a really new dynamic for us it's been hard and I feel like oh I'm like I'm like back in startup mode it's like you know uh, you know things are we're trying to stay as a growth company but there's 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 still a roller coaster ride of you know, entire divisions that go away, um, or you know, things that get dropped because the the outside uh, market really has shifted quite a lot in the in the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, it's something that I think that uh, is just the commonality is there's always going to be some new curveball, and you can never get too comfortable. Uh, it's it's exactly. one, of my, one of my favorite books is Only the Paranoid Survive uh, by <laughs> Andy Grove. So
1: nice. I'll have to take it. I'll have to take the read.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great one. Um, So if you could go back in time, uh, what would you tell yourself in 2010, three years into the business, uh, you've now started making a paycheck, so your wife is probably a lot happier. Uh, But what would you go back and kind of say like, hey, what would you do differently? What would you do the same? What are some of those insights you would give people who are maybe in that earlier part of their process?
1: Yeah. Um, I would say sleep, um, make sure to sleep. And I think I did six years, uh, until like, um, 2 AM, you know, and, uh, and I think that that you don't realize it even as a young person, but like that takes a toll like on your health in, in unique ways. Um, and so I think that, uh, sleep would be something that I would say to, to, to still prioritize to be like your, your best self, you know, um, but that's something that I would say, I think hard, hard work, no matter what is important, but I think you can still work hard and, and, and prioritize sleep too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so that's definitely, that's definitely something that comes to mind. Um, I think, um, uh, w- what I did, what I would continue to do, like investing in, in talent and, in, in trying to hire people smarter than me and, and surround myself with you know, people that are, that are really smart versus pretend like I need to know it all or do it all. Um, I think sometimes I tried to do too much and I would, I would advise myself to, to delegate more. Um, and, uh, I, mean, that's kind of how we scaled was I had to like pull myself out of each position as we scaled. Cause I, we started as one and then two, and then, you know, I, I kind of kept taking off hats. Um, but yeah. I probably would have delegated more stuff, um, sooner and we probably would have grown a little faster if, if I would have done that.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a lesson that is super crucial. It's really it's really interesting being a CEO and constantly. Sometimes I notice that with even my executive team that they will like they're like, oh, I you know used to do this, and now I'm having to hire someone. I'm like, dude, tell me about it. That is the life of being a founder. It's just constantly like firing yourself uh, and hoping that there's something new for you to do. And I've I've had those periods where I'm like what am I supposed to do now? Like I kind of have found these amazing people who uh, it's great. And it's fun going through that process. It's fun going through it and saying, Oh, well, what do I do? What, what do I want to do? What am I excited about? Where can I add value myself? So I think that's a great point. Um, Anything I think, man, if I could go back and say the same thing, I would say definitely hiring great people is like the thing that just, that lesson just keeps coming back again and again and again. Um, What tips would you give people uh, who I I think a hiring people just in general helps you to delegate because you start putting some people on the payroll and that gives you some pressure of like, I got to leverage the talents and skills of these people I've now brought in and make sure that I can keep paying them. But what, recommendations would you give or what have you learned about hiring? Cause I think it's one of the most, like a huge game changer, but also one of the most difficult things to do as a company.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one of the things that I've found in hiring, I've hired hundreds of people um, over the years personally um, is I think the best thing I've found is show not tell in that if you can, if you have the opportunity to have someone, show you how they work in a little micro test or a period of time or a one month, two month, three month contract to hire. Anytime you have that opportunity, like try try to take it. Sometimes that's hard when you're pulling someone from another company. But um, we found the, the most qualified people that seem amazing that you know don't do nearly as well as someone who is unqualified, but still has, seems like they have all the right capabilities that blow you out of the water and um i and i think so finding sometimes the diamonds in the, in the rough or um you know thinking about the maybe the money ball strategy or whatever it's like you know it's, it's sometimes it is hiring the people with all the right experience and sometimes it's hiring people with the right culture and the right attitude and the right capabilities and i think the best way to decipher is is to try to any sort of test period that could be like uh, it's, um four hours of doing something uh, that is a typical duty of that job. Um, but we often pay people to do that because we, we're not trying to ask them to like all of or extend, but then you can see someone in that context of, of a, what maybe what they'd be like to work with versus like the, everyone putting on their best, um, best foot forward in an interview.
0: Yeah. Well, I can personally attest you guys are great at hiring people because you have an amazing team uh, and working with them. I'm always, blown away how, how much I enjoy working with them. They're just great people and they're really talented, which is, which is, I think that's, it's kind of that perfect, uh, kind of like target or that kind of like, um, I'm trying to think of the word, but like, you're always trying to find that magic where someone's a great person who's also talented. Um, I think Simon Sinek has that, has that quadrant of like, want people who have the right talent but also the right mindset and that is it's tough
1: that's tough and it's not i think finding someone who's smart but also kind is not doesn't always pair together um neatly and so that's been part of our profile is um people that are smart and kind and that want to grow and it's hard to decipher someone's humble or not but if they want to grow then typically they have more of a growth mindset and they're, they're going to be a little bit more yeah. humble about learning.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I think that's great advice. It's, it, it really is. Hiring is, I think if I could go back, like I said, I would just go back and give tips on hiring people. <laughs> like here's how to hire. Here's how you should create a process. Uh, Cause it's really easy to fall into the traps of like hire friends and hire people, you know, and, uh, don't go through a process, just like kind of grab whoever's available. And then all of yes. a sudden you're, you're like, oh, I'm, that's not always the best process. So,
1: yeah, I think that's, it's, it's sort of a go be a little bit more thorough, plan a little bit more, go slow to then go fast later on. But, you know, key hires, especially in a startup, you know, you get the wrong key hires and it could kill your company, uh, or get the right, right key hires, and have run up a little bit of a process, and that could be what catapults you forward.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's also hard because there's so many, um, I think there's so many times where it, exactly like you said, the things are uh, often counterintuitive. So you, you'll, or, or paradoxical of like, okay, we're, we're, we're only gonna hire people who have the best experience. And sometimes that is the perfect person to hire. And sometimes that person who like on paper is not a great fit, you meet them and you're like, oh, you're a genius. You're just, yeah. and you're amazing to work with. One of my favorite stories is Steve Jobs has that story where uh, this guy came in, he was like a software developer and pitched him. And he was like, it was the worst interview I've ever been in. Like just horrible. And they just told him, no, they're like, Hey, I don't think it's a good fit. And then he went downstairs in the headquarters of Apple and saw the guy kind of sitting over in the corner, looking very like dejected. And he goes over and talks to him and was like, Hey man, like you don't need to worry. Like you'll kind of giving him some encouragement, like you'll find a great job. And the guy was kind of telling him, you know, I, I just, I feel like I didn't do a good job of explaining what I can do. And my capabilities, and so I'm just disappointed in myself. And Steve was like, "Yeah, well, you know, what can you do?" And he showed him. He's like, "Well, let me show you this like thing I developed." And he pulled up his Apple computer and showed him the dock, like the the magic dock that like disappeared and appeared if you put the mouse by it. And Steve was like, "Okay, you're hired." Um, and it was that <laughs> example of like he just. I think a lot of times people don't always present the best. But if you can see what you do, we always say, if, if there's any way to date before we marry. Like you said, sometimes it's hard if you're trying to poach someone from a big company and they're like, I, I can't really come. I can't leave my job for a one month <laughs> consulting contract, but if there's any way to do it. It's super helpful. Super helpful. So, um, so what, what's next for fresh? Like you guys have accomplished so many things. Uh, you have this awesome team, a large team approaching 500 people. Uh, where do you want to head? Like, how do you think through that? Uh, and, and how much of that process do you do by yourself? And how much of that process do you, uh, work with other people? Because I think that's something that's sometimes hard for founders.
1: For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think there's part of like who we are, that's still with us. And that is, um, creating the future together and trying to work on future forward things, you know, like, for example, you know, working with you as a, as a a proven smart founder who has, you know, visions of of products that can change the world, you know, it's like, hey, that's a strong fit with fresh, you know, it's like, we want to work with and through other companies to to create great products that can improve lives, that can change lives. And um, so truly working, like we're, we consider ourselves an innovation company, which is sort of a, loaded word as you know um it's kind of like the word love it can mean lots of different things um for people but it is creating something new that has value that ends up having true value um and um so we we want to continue to do that and to do really world changing things or community changing things like you sometimes you have to have a certain size and scale um to be able to have kind of the breadth and depth and so there is an element of us that's size. It's getting big enough that we can attract the the right types of um, companies that, you know, have really innovative ideas um, like you and then others that uh, are really innovative companies that want to stay ahead. So like right now, we work with a lot of the big tech companies and, they you know, they also want to stay ahead and invest in the future. And so, um, um a part of us is sticking to who we are and continuing to build in this sort of the the innovation capability, a depth and breadth that allows us to do really meaningful, innovative work. And then another part of our future is it's focusing on some of the areas where we see um, meaning and innovation together. So, for example, you know, um, healthcare is sort of a can be a dry area, but there's a lot of opportunity for meaningful uh work in the product development space like medical product development space where there's gonna be a lot of game-changing things and so that's an area of focus of ours one of our five kind of focus areas um uh as we go out into the future another one is space you know space space and aerospace you know inside the aerospace uh, industry is there's a lot of meaningful innovation that's happening right now um and and we're focused um there um and then manufacturing is another uh, focus for us because of the robotics and automation that's happening. Where you know um, a lot of this work is coming uh, back to the U.S., back to Mexico, from, from from China and other places, and and people are thinking about what can they do here, and then also how they continue to leverage the the supply chain that exists, um, where 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 they can get economies of scale, and um, and so we're we're trying to target basically industries that are um offer um you know some stability but also still offer a lot of innovation so um but that centers around our you know kind of our origins of like staying 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 fresh um, with technology and, and trying to be an innovative company that does does meaningful work um obviously ai's we're having to adapt right now because of everything that's happening on the ai front and so adapting is is part of our mission as well
0: yeah no that's awesome i think that's what's uh Fun to—that's one of the fun parts of innovation—is you get to kind of deal with what's possible and uh, what could be created or what could be next, and it's it it that gets requires really failure,
1: as you know. Like, it's, oh yeah, is failing fast, and, and that—that's okay. Yeah. you know. Um, yeah, and I think we struggle with that as founders is to kind of let go of something uh, when it needs to yeah. be let go, uh, but then to push on something when we know, oh, you know, look at the those experiments are really turning out. Right, so we got to double down.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely true. It's uh, I think all founders we kind of hold on to things, and we're like, ah, I should just, this isn't working. <laughs> but you're like, no, I can make it work. It's mm-hmm. kind of that because uh, you've made it work in other work. ways,
1: right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So it can be it can be very tricky to know when you're like, and it's, sometimes what's really hard is from the outside, no one can tell. Uh, I think the project we're working on with you guys was definitely something that my team for a long time was like, Jay's nuts. <laughs> like, that is crazy. I mean, the things you're talking about doing with sleep and AI and and like, that is nuts. And we're bringing all this stuff together. Uh, and it's fun seeing like, man, things I was saying two and a half years ago, like, oh, we'll be able to do this with AI and sleep. Like, oh, it's yeah, it's working. Like the fresh team has figured out ways to do it. Uh, and then there's other projects we've done in the past two years where it looked from the outside, like it would work. And then it ended up customers were like, yeah, we just don't want it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and that's hard. That's, I think it can be challenging. Is it, it can feel almost the exact same. Mm. Um, But it, once you dive in and really, I think I notice you got to talk to customers and, and really give them the permission to be honest um, and be good at, be good at knowing when you're onto something and knowing when you're not. It's exactly like you said, learn from those failures. So is there any any projects, and I know it's always hard because sometimes you can't talk about stuff, but there are there any projects maybe from the positive side that you were like, man, I don't know if this is going to go, you know, maybe won't wasn't going to come together or you were unsure if it would come together that then ended up working and kind of surprising you?
1: um it's a good question you know i think um we have been uh working on the robotics front like robotics platforms to support um robotics integration with robots and robots robots and humans and and we've had this theory around that need um the market's been a little slow to kind of get there but it's you know we've kind of stuck with it kind of worked on some internal product development and just now you know we've started to see a lot a lot more customers say like, Hey, you know, we need this. Um, and, um, and so that's been, that's been fun uh, to kind of say, okay, we we played the long road for, for a few years and we're starting to see some fruits. Um, but I think, I think in our space, you know, we work with, you know, we work with over, um, we work on a hundred, over a hundred projects a year. And so we see, we do see some, some failure and it's like you go in, you design something perfect, or you, you, uh, you build something that's, that's top notch, but, you know, the, the, you're always reacting, like you said, to to customer demand. And, and I would say in our work, sometimes we we're like, Hmm, we're unsure on this, but we get surprised by how successful it is. Or we're like, Oh, this thing is going to sail and be amazing. But then it just doesn't quite have the traction and it leaves you a little frustrated. You know, can't control the market, but you can control how you adapt and respond to, to, to customers reactions. And sometimes it's a quick pivot and sometimes it's a, uh, let's go big, and sometimes it's I gotta just drop it completely.
0: Yeah. Any uh, any insights or you, any maybe tools that you use as you're evaluating ideas uh, or testing ideas that have helped you to know uh, kind of build maybe on some of those gut instincts of like the robot stuff, like hey, I'm seeing this, this, and this, and so therefore I'm still very bullish on it.
1: Yeah. Well, um, Generally, um, we believe in like front-loading the intellectual work of projects and really trying to like do a lot of intellectual thinking and working up front in products or projects, and that, that involves some customer validation, where you're, you're listening to customers, or talking to customers, interviewing customers, trying to glean those ins- insights. You know, maybe simulating some market tests. Um, but at Fresh, we have a, a philosophy around how we go about thinking. We have built some technology around it called Invent Value. Um, uh, but we we ideate alone first, and then we um, bring those ideas together and look for emergent um, kind of uh, possibilities. and then we and then we um, converge and we try to evaluate the thinking. And so we have different um, uh, methods of evaluation. Uh, like one method is just like impact versus effort, or another method is trying to put an ROI, a light ROI, like a napkin ROI on something. And yeah. we have a bunch of different methods of evaluation. So we ideate alone first to to avoid um, groupthink, and then we look for those emergent connections. and then we try to we try to evaluate the thinking and sort of that flow. And so you get some you know divergent thinking and some convergent thinking. and that that general framework is something we've been using for seven years to try to help sharpen our our kind of the intellectual side of the work that we do up front. And then, as soon as you have that, then it's like, Prototyping, really, if you can prototype something and get it in the fr- in front of customers, whether it's an app or whether it's a product or a robot, you know, then you're going to you're going to glean a whole bunch of stuff versus taking it all the way down the road and then finding out if customers want to buy it or not.
0: Yeah, I love that. Have you guys it, wh- where could someone learn more about kind of that process with you guys?
1: Well, generally, like, um, uh, you know, um, the design thinking process is something we've sort of automated with our internal tool called, um, invent value, but it generally follows that design thinking process, which is, which is to diverge, you know, emerge and then converge. And it does follow suit of like the general, like Google sprint methodology, like their book on sprint, um, on sprints. And yep. it's not, try- it's trying to simulate a lot of things in a short amount of time so that you get those insights, um, and front load the intellectual work because typically, the intellectual work can be backloaded and and then people end up with like really costly projects or really costly products because they haven't, they haven't done enough um, kind of, you know, rigor on the thinking side up front.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's, that is such an amazing point. And it's something I see in working with you guys. I, uh, I mean, as we did like a lot of this strategic retreat uh, or kind of strategic meetings, Uh, It was really awesome. Like there was, from our perspective, it was fun to see that it wasn't just like immediately like, okay, so what chip do you want to put in this? It was like, hey, let's really think about like, why are we doing what we're doing? Is everything that we're doing necessary? What can we get out to the point where it's been so great seeing that process that sometimes I'm like, man, this has been really like streamlined and easy. Maybe (laughs) like, are we doing something wrong? Because this is but it's great. But you, can, I, I go back to, it and I'm like, no, like I go through it and we're holding to those original principles that we outlined, which was, you know, like one of ours was, we don't want customers to think about this process or trying to use willpower and self-control because one of our core philosophies is that by the time people are in bed, there is no kind of like self-control because they're exhausted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they shouldn't have to be, making decisions of like, Oh, I should really go to bed. Um, and so I need to be disciplined and put my phone away. And that core reason is why they're struggling. And so we need to overcome that, not depend on it. Uh, and that was all outlined in that initial process of, you know, what are, what are the core things we believe and are going after? So.
1: Nice. Yeah. It's awesome. You
0: guys, you guys walk the walk.
1: Thank you. Well, I think that, you know, it's like, it's, it's balancing the, um, the notion of like that intellectual rigor and trying to trying to frame up those fundamental beliefs that you stick with that gives you an anchor, while also going down the road and prototyping and testing and being able to adapt, be able to move, you know, and so I think it's sort of there's sort of like you know both sides, but sometimes we run into something and and we don't do some of that that thinking up front, um, and so it's it's trying to find that harmony I think where you, you are doing some, some you are trying to front load and be really smart about how you go tackle something. But at the same time, you're going down the road going, okay, where do I need to adapt? Because customers are telling me something different.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's. I, I think it's such a great point. I always notice whenever someone comes to me and is so passionate about what they're solving, uh, I think that's always such a good sign compared to like from an investment standpoint, anytime someone pitches me and is like, we're going to be rich, I'm like, oh boy, uh, this isn't good." <laughs> <work." laughs> Because it's it's usually not yeah, you know, if you're going after money, you should do something else besides startups. It's it's uh it is not not the reason to be an entrepreneur. It's that you love solving problems and you love uh creating solutions that change people's lives. I think that is the drive, and it
1: has and to. And that be. creates the success later on. It's the byproduct yeah. essentially. The success is the byproduct. Um. Yeah. Not, not not the uh, the motivation that that made you successful
0: i love it well uh usually we we kind of stick to 20 minutes and we blew way past it uh it was so fun talking uh thanks for coming on and, and being a guest and and getting to share some of your wisdom from all of your experience
1: thank you jay it was a pleasure to be with you look forward to thanks more again. collaboration
0: yeah we're excited thanks so much thank you